Getting Better Healthcare is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our healthcare system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Healthcare, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our healthcare system as it exists and as it could be. For better healthcare and a better healthcare system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve. Welcome to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman, founder of the DrScore.com physician rating website. We're broadcasting today from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. This is the second of a two-part episode that covers health economics. Last week, we talked about how incentive structures affect the delivery of health care. On today's show, we're furthering that discussion by covering pay-for-performance, a system that pays physicians and hospitals, healthcare systems, not just for the amount of health care they give, but for the quality of the health care that's provided. We're continuing our discussion with Professor Hal Luft, Ph.D. in economics, Professor Emeritus at the University of California, San Francisco, and Director of the Palo Alto Medical Foundation. Dr. Luft, I want to move towards exploring something we hear a lot about that, that I think is touted as a solution to the conundrum of how to pay doctors for the best outcomes, and, and that is paying doctors for the best outcomes, um, what's called pay for performance or P4P. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, it, it, it's a notion that's been going um, in, in practice, actually, for about the last decade or so. Uh, it's focused largely on primary care uh, because we have a lot of reasonably good measures for things that ought to be done in primary care, certain kinds of screening tests, certain kinds of um, management of patients, for example, uh, with diabetes, uh, making sure their uh, um, hemoglobin A1C scores are not just done, but are within appropriate ranges, et cetera. Um, the, there are places, for example, in California where the payers have gotten together uh, and collectively developed what is going to be scored and how it's going to be measured. And that collective agreement is important because from a provider perspective, um, yes, they're seeing one patient at a time, but across all of their patients, they may be dealing with half a dozen to a dozen different major payers, uh, not just Medicare, but, you know, Blue Cross and Blue Shield and Aetna and Cigna and a number of different HMOs. And traditionally, each has had its own measures of performance. Okay, so I want to make this very clear because you've used the word measures several times. That seems uh, that must be a key element of this pay for performance um, issue. Exactly, what is pay for performance? So, so the way a pay for performance program might work is it would say these are the 
performance measures that are going to be in place for this coming year. Yeah, so you have uh, to have some, some, some measurable outcomes that you, you're, you're, you're shooting for. Right. In some cases, it's, um, it's an outcome. So it might be um, what proportion of your patients who have diabetes have their hemoglobin A1C results within a certain range. And that's a measure of how good your diabetes control is. That's right. Okay. Uh, but it means that you need to know who has diabetes, you need to know who you gave the test to, and you need to know what the results are. I'm beginning to see why this would be tied closely to electronic health records. Absolutely. If you're trying to do this on paper, you, you, you will never get there. <laughs> um, in other cases, it's what would be called process measures. So it might be what proportion of your patients with diabetes actually have the test, okay? in which case... If you haven't done the test, then you don't score. Um, in other cases, it might be what proportion of your women in a certain age range have had a mammogram in the last two years. Okay, so that's sort of a process measure. Um, now, some of these indicators are controversial. So, for example... Um, some physicians would say, well, I can be held responsible for ordering the test, but how can I control whether my patients really adhere to taking their medications, which is what's going to get their hemoglobin A1C into, a, into the appropriate range? Yeah, and I guess that makes sense as long as there isn't a wide variation between doctors and their ability to get patients to take medications, in which case it really should be the doctor's responsibility. That's right. And so one of the things that an organized group or a set of doctors uh, will be very interested in exploring is how is it that some doc doctors are able to achieve very good outcomes and others aren't? Can we learn from the first set of doctors what are they doing right and so the pay-for-performance kinds of indicators are designed to capture various aspects of medical care um, that ought to be promoted. Uh, and then the payer has typically withheld, although they usually don't say it this way, um, a little bit of money at the beginning of the year, and then if you perform well, you get that money. So it's a bonus. And, okay. and who is getting this money? Is this going to a... Uh, to each individual doctor, are we talking about giving it to a, a system of doctors? Typically, it goes to a system of doctors, and, and that's because at an individual physician level, there's too much variation from patient to patient so that the numbers bounce around uh, too much. It, it, it's, it's a little bit like, um, I'm trying to think of an example, uh, Let's you, say a, a single you, you, grocery store as opposed to a whole chain? Yeah. Or um, in, like saying this week's one loss record of your favorite baseball team does not tell you very much about how they're going to do over the whole season. Oh, that's a very good example. Okay. It sort of depends who they were playing, what the weather was, who was injured. But you measure it over 150 games and you got it. All right. So 
I could see limitations here because I, I can imagine when my field dermatology, I take care of 2,000 different problems for which none of them have any defined predetermined measures. So measuring the quality would be awfully hard to do. But let's say, you know, we could do it based on patient satisfaction or, you know, hospital deaths, hospital infection rates and all. So does, does this P4P, is paying for the performance of systems change the quality of care? I think there's pretty good evidence that paying for performance has led to improvements in performance. Um, now, the, the question here, and, and, and this is a, a part where um, I always try to be a little bit skeptical of the data, <clears throat> is we know that performance has gotten better in places where there's been payment for performance. What I don't know is whether this is the payment per se or the payment allowed two things. One, it actually got the attention of the chief executive officers, the uh, medical directors, et cetera, and say, wow, somebody is willing to pay us if we provide high-quality care, and we need an information system to see whether we're providing high-quality care. Let's build that information system, and we'll get some extra cash. But not only that, once you build the information system, even if you didn't get extra cash, you could p pass the information back to your clinicians who would then say, I thought I was a good doc, but I'm not doing as well as the guy down the hall. I didn't know that before. What's she doing that I'm not? And so it could be that the information system itself is what makes the change rather than the pay for performance per se. But on the other hand, you wouldn't have gotten the information system without the pay for performance. And it's also the case that, remember I said the money's take, a little bit of money is taken off the top and then paid back as this pay for performance? Mm -hmm. So imagine how easy it would be, for example, to go to all the physicians in the community or in a medical group and say, okay, end of the year, you know, what we want to do is we want to buy some new software to provide better information for you guys. Can you give us back 2% of what you got this year, and then we'll buy the equipment and the software and stuff? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, on the other hand, if you pay everybody 98% during the year, and then the other 2% now comes in as a check and say, wow, we could use that to improve our performance even more next year. It comes in a single check. You don't have to extract it. This is why I find behavioral economics so fascinating. I mean, it's the same 2% and how it's perceived by people is just totally That's right, yep. I... Um, yeah, this issue of transparency, I think, is – well, it, it, it makes me wonder about what, what, what does it mean to be an economist? Some people, I think, uh, when they think of economy, they think of monetary incentive ex exclusively. And um, when we're dealing with doctors, I think we're dealing with extraordinarily competitive people. I mean, how did they get into medical school? Because they were better than their peers in high school, and then they – you know, managed to score better than their peers in college, and they competed to get into medical school, and they've been competing their whole lives. Right. And, um, and I, I'm not, as you're pointing out, it may be the monetary incentives drives people, I have no doubt, but the behavioral economists might say that some of these other incentives 
um, to be better than your peers might drive people's behavior, you know, tenfold more so. Well, well, well I think that's one piece of it. That's sort of looking at the incentives to always do better. I think there's another aspect, um, and, and here again I'm going to speculate a lot about the training. It's the physician feeling very responsible for what happens to his or her patients. And you have experience as to what worked. Making a change, you don't have experience. And so that puts you into a, a zone of anxiety, uncertainty. It might be better, but, oh, my God, it might be worse, and I know that what I did yesterday was okay. Uh, now, it may not have been okay, um, but bad errors occur so infrequently that you don't notice them. Mm -hmm. And you always explain it away as something unusual. And so providing information back, and it's not just saying somebody else is doing better, but what it says is if I get this information quickly, and so, for example, um, at the Palo Alto Medical Foundation, uh, physicians get their reports either monthly or quarterly. So that says you can change something, and if things are going awry, you'll find out about it very quickly, and you can read Recorrect, but if they're going in the right direction, it, it's reinforcing. It provides a certain level of security that I think is also very important. And you know, yes, uh, this is not pure economics. This is really thinking about how people behave in the real world and how we can structure incentives and information um, to uh, move that behavior in ways that make more sense. All right. Well, I've taken your time for today. Uh, we're going to have to talk again about the importance of information and, and transparency and how that's going to change the future of medicine. And, uh, and the first part of our discussion, let me just put in a small plug, a lot of those concepts I laid out in my book uh, called Total Cure, uh, The Antidote to the Healthcare Crisis. Um, and so those things are moving along and um, it, it helps uh, to, to, to think broadly about the differences in the way incentives can be used. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. When it comes to organizing systems of human behavior, when it comes to getting people to act in the ways that we would like them to act, arguably the most powerful force in the universe is economic force. When you set up economic incentives, in a sensible way, then you get sensible outcomes. If you set them up to provide more care instead of better care, then you get more care instead of better care. I think Dr. Left is, is uh, right on target as he describes how setting up economic incentives, whether it's pay for performance or otherwise, to encourage the kinds of health care outcomes we're looking for, well, that's going to be the best way to set up a system. To learn more about this, I would like to encourage you to check out Dr. Luff's book, Total Cure, The Antidote to the Healthcare Crisis, published by Harvard Press. He also has um, a terrific website for more information, securechoice.info, not .com, but securechoice.info. We'll put up links to this information on the Getting Better Getting Better Healthcare website. Well, that's our show for today. I hope you've enjoyed it. 
We're looking forward to speaking next time with Richard Ammerling, a physician who talks about the importance of the physician-patient relationship and how we want to have economic incentives in line to keep that relationship as strong as it can be. I think it's a good follow-on from our discussion today. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the program. Our theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli. Our show is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. I'm Steve Feldman, and until next time, I wish you the very best of health. Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E.com, DrScore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Healthcare.